Well, good morning, everyone. Turn in your Bibles to Philippians 4.4. It's just one verse. I'm going to talk to you while you're flipping to Philippians 4.4. I have a lot of Scripture for you today. I'm not going to apologize for it, obviously. Uh, Many pastors, and I've heard it done, will speak concepts and speak language that's more uh, conducive to the ears. But in my studies this week, in my studies I realized there is no way that I could ever replace what God's Word says about each key point I want to address. So there is a lot of Scripture. But you'll see what I'm doing with it. You'll see what I'm doing with it. Because we're talking about joy. The title of today's sermon is, well, what is joy and do I have it? And yes, that is a question I get asked quite a bit. And if I have joy, how do I access it? This bothered me greatly. It bothered me greatly because I understand where people are coming from. The world teaches one way. God has something else for us, though. So look at Philippians 4.4. It says what? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Simple, but not simple. The other verse that is part of our text today is you don't have to turn there. It's two words. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 is our other text. It says, rejoice always. Now, that's a tough thing to swallow, isn't it? I have to be joyful always? Well, what is joy and do you have it? Folks, the world will define joy using words such, uh, let's see, to be merry, to be of good cheer. The biggest one, of course, is, is happy or happiness. Please do not confuse joy with these. These things do not define joy. And this is where we get lost as Christians. In fact, I want to propose to you today that you cannot define what joy is outside of God's goodness, meaning only true believers know and experience joy. Yes, I said it. Only true believers, Christians, can experience what real joy and what true joy is. Let me explain. Non-believers, those who reject Christ, those who are indifferent, I ain't got time for you. People like that associate joy as an emotion. As an emotion. And I'm going to teach you today, if you already probably already know it, that joy is not an emotion. So for the world, joy is synonymous with other emotions. That means they're temporary. They're temporary. But for a Christian, it's an undercurrent. Joy is an undercurrent. So, Joy runs deep. It's permanent. It transcends. It's constant. It is enduring. So joy is the natural reaction to God's person, His purposes, His promises, His power, His presence, and His provisions in each of our lives. I know that's a lot of P's, but that's the best way to remember it. Therefore, joy is a distinctive characteristic of the Christian life. If you're a Christian, there will be joy. You may not know it yet, but you're going to. So joy is not just a feeling or an emotion like the world would have you believe. Why? Because joy is not temporary like all the other emotions. Just let me give you an example. Folks, I can be happy. I can be really happy, and then you give me some news, and I'm sad. I'm sad. Sadness has replaced happiness, hasn't it? I can be angry, and that anger can turn to fright. 
But given enough time, guess what I can come right back to? Being happy. See, one emotion replaces the other. It's a full circle. It's a cycle. Joy is the undercurrent to that. It is not one of those emotions that is replaced. And that's where the world gets it wrong. There is a text, and the guys, guys, I just want to give you kudos. They're going to put up a lot of verses for me. There's a text I want to associate for the rest of this sermon with joy. It's very important. It's in John 15, 4 through 5. It says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. So whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So here is our illustration to this text. We have a beautiful plant here grounded in the earth, fertile soil, rich in nutrients, perfect amount of sun, perfect amount of water. This vine growing up is perfect in every way, shape, or form. It's long. It's perfect. And out of this vine pops branches galore. That's you and me. Those branches are our lives. And those branches either are producing fruit or not producing fruit. But regardless, the only way that branch survives is if it abides in the vine. The only way it produces fruit is if it abides in the vine. So again, let me repeat something. Joy is a distinctive characteristic of a Christian's life. The book of Galatians tells us that joy is a fruit of the Spirit. So, with my illustration, like the fruit that is produced on the branch of the vine, so is this, get ready, so is the expression of rejoicing that stems from our joy. And the source of our joy is God himself. It's the vine. I need to repeat that because a lot of people don't understand. You think you manifest joy. You think you create it. No, the source of our joy is God himself. It is the vine. Psalm 43, 4. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre, O God my God. This is David speaking. David is saying that God is the source of all his joy. To God my exceeding joy. To God the source of all my joy. I have a fun little story. This is not me. I'm on the other end of this. I'm the one who makes the mess. But this is a story a father wrote, and I want to I share it with you because it really puts, it paints a really pretty picture. <clears throat> I remember coming home one afternoon to discover that the kitchen I had worked so hard to clean only a few hours ago was now a terrible wreck. My young daughter had obviously been busy cooking, and the ingredients were scattered everywhere, along with dirty bowls, along with utensils, across the counters, across the floors. I was not happy with this situation. Then as I looked a little more closely at the mess, I spied a tiny note on the table, clumsily written and smeared with chocolate fingerprints. The message was short, I'm making something for you, Dad. And then she signed it, your angel. Ooh, that cuts. I'm making something for you, Dad, your angel. So in the midst of this disarray, and despite my irritation, joy suddenly sprang up in my heart, sweet and pure. My attention had been redirected from the problem for the little girl, excuse me, from the problem to my little girl, to my little girl that I loved. 
As I encountered her in that brief note, I delighted in her. With her simple goodness and focus, I could take pleasure in seeing her hand at work in a situation that seemed otherwise disastrous. Folks, he says the same is true of my joy in the Lord. Many times uh, life looks rather messy. I can't find much to be happy about in my circumstances. Nevertheless, if I look hard enough, I can usually see the Lord behind it all, or at least working through it all, making something for me. Look at that dirty, filthy kitchen with that beautiful little note explaining, I'm making something for you. He was redirected. All that other stuff, it was dismissed because he had focused on the love of this little girl. Folks, that's what we're called to see in the midst of our circumstances, and Paul is one of the greatest examples, and I'll talk about him in a minute. But so what is joy? What is joy? Joy is our reaction to ex- uh, an expression, if you will, our reaction and expression to God's goodness in our lives. So do you have this joy? If you are a believer, the answer is yes. Why? Because the source of joy is God himself. So yes, you have joy. I want to read some scripture to you proving this. 1 Peter 1.8 Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not see Him, uh, now see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Romans 15.13 I'm going to let the Bible do the talking, folks. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Jeremiah 15, 16. I love this. Your words were found, and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. God is the source of joy, and joy belongs to the Christian who is abiding in God. So you have joy. It's yours. The next question is, if you have joy, how do you access it? And here lies the problem with Christians. Here it is. So like the fruit produced on the branch, and we know that if the fruit's going to come from somewhere, it's going to come from the branch, right? It stems from the vine. You're not going to find a branch on the ground still producing fruit if it's detached from the vine. You're not. You may see old fruit that was attached when it was broken off or cut, but you will not see new fruit produced. So it stems from the vine. Our rejoicing is an expression of the joy that we have being attached, being connected to the vine. So accessing the joy that each Christian possesses is expressing our overwhelming gladness of heart. Why? Because we know God. Isn't it that? It's that simple. We know know God. Therefore, and listen to this word, therefore, the permanence, the permanence of joy as a quality, as a characteristic of our lives is only possible when we appropriate God's grace and His goodness through faith in Jesus Christ. That's how we do it. We have to appropriate God's grace, His care, His love, His goodness through faith in Jesus Christ. So since God is the source of our joy, we have to look at it like this. We need to view joy for us as a state of growth in which you and I, 
in which you and I, the Christian, willfully cooperates with God, abiding in Him as in all things. You ready? You're going to hate me for this. As in all things, Christian, this involves continuity. I think for the last three or four weeks, I've talked about something being continuous, right? Our faith, right? Everything. Continuity is called for here. So what can we rejoice in when we find our circumstances to be particularly unfavorable? And you know what I'm talking about. When we find ourselves in a spot between a rock and a hard place, and it's unfavorable, how can we find joy? How do we rejoice? I would like to point out several things, and I'm going to use Scripture to support everything I say. We rejoice, folks, in the, per, uh, the Lord's person. We can rejoice in the Lord's person. Deuteronomy 32.4, the rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are justice, a God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. I'm just talking about the person of God here. Numbers 23.19, God is not man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. He has said, and will he not do it? Or he has spoken, and will he not fulfill it? That's our God. Deuteronomy 7, 9. Know therefore that the love your God is, excuse me, know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Folks, the Bible, the Bible reveals the person of God. It reveals who he is. And it reveals what he does. And what he does is because who he is. And it's wonderful to find out the person of God in our text. He knows everything. He knows everything. So now, I've got to tell you this. We can rejoice in, in, in God and his person. We can. 1 John 4.16. I've got to share this with you. <clears throat> so we have come to know and to believe that the love that God has for us, God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. I had to add that because that summed up everything we've talked about so far. We have to be connected and attached to God, who is the source of our joy, if we are going to produce what we call rejoicing. And that rejoicing comes from our source. So yes, Christians have joy, and we can rejoice in the kind of God he is. That's the person. We rejoice in the Lord's purposes. We do. Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. We can rejoice in what we're called to. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Folks, all of His purposes for us, are according to His perfect wisdom. And according to His perfect love, He knows everything about us. He knows everything in our past, everything in our present, everything in our future. You know, it's His will that none of us should perish, but experience life in its fullest. Experience life in its fullness, abiding in Him, because that's the only way. That's the only way you can uh, experience the fullness of God. So God's purposes always prevail. Don't believe me? 
read any story in this book. God's purposes always prevail. And we are privileged and we are blessed to be called to him for his purposes. This is another thing we can rejoice in. What about his promises? We can rejoice in the Lord's promises. This book contains so many. I, folks, I exhausted it. There were so many verses that I explored, and you can explore and discover for yourself. And when you find these things, respond to them in faith, respond to them in obedience. Now, the verses I found relating to the promises of God were endless. I couldn't list them all. We'd be here for hours. So I found one that I really liked. I really like this. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. I just went straight to the source again. I could go over all the promises, all of them. We could go back to the the covenant with Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to present day. But he who promised, that's what we're talking about. He who promised is faithful. So we can rejoice in the promises of God. Now, we can rejoice in his power. We can rejoice in the Lord's power. Psalm 62, 11. Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God. What David's saying here is that not God hasn't just spoken once, but that's all he needs to do, speak once. And I've heard it twice, so I know it's truth. I've heard it twice. You can also look at it like I have the general revelation of existence in the world, but I also have special revelation. So I believe it. I believe there's truth there. And what does he say? That power belongs to God. We are talking about inexhaustible power. Power that we cannot even begin to comprehend, folks. Can't even begin to comprehend. Matthew 19, 26. But Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Praise God. Only all things are possible are with the powerful and the almighty. No other. What else we got here? I got so much good stuff. Let's see. Oh, here's a good one. His power affects us too. His power affects us. In 2 Peter 1.3, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. We rejoice in the Lord's power. So not only do we have His person, not only do we have His promises, not only do we have His power, guess what else we have? Oh, and His purposes. Don't let me forget that. Purposes. His presence. We rejoice in the Lord's presence. Psalm 16.11 says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy at your right hand. Our pleasures forevermore. Jeremiah 29.13 You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. The presence of the Lord is ours. The presence of the Lord is something that we can rejoice in, and I had to do it this week. Folks, listen. We rejoice in a God who has promised, going back to promises, who has promised to never leave us. We rejoice in a God who has promised to never forsake us. And here's the beauty. We could never escape His love or His care for us. Therefore, we rejoice in the Lord's presence as we are doing today. i got one more. I want to talk about provisions. We can rejoice in the Lord's provisions. Philippians 4.19, 
and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Every need. Matthew 6, 31 through 32. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. He already knows what you need. He still wants you to ask, because he wants you to depend on him fully, but he knows. That's the beauty of provision. Let's see. Folks, God has provided us forgiveness. God has provided us salvation. Uh, He will provide for our deepest needs right now in the present. He will provide for our deepest needs in the future. He already knows what you need. But I love what David says in Psalm 23.1. Just that first verse of Psalm 23.1. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Isn't that an amazing sentence to say? He is my shepherd. I don't need anything. If I need it, he'll give it to me. I shall not want. What a beautiful, beautiful verse. We rejoice in the Lord's provision. I gave you a lot just now. I gave you six things. Six words that all start with P, and you're probably trying to remember them all right now. Person. Purposes. Power. Provision. I lost the other one. Promises. There's a lot of them. Even your pastor's forgetting. But here's the key thing. We are connected and attached to the source of our joy. And when we express that joy, it's called rejoicing. And when we don't know what to rejoice in, I just gave you six wonderful things that are supported by Scripture. This week I had a hard time with something. I had a really hard time with something. And I looked to one of these verses and I said, oh man, what am I worried about? This circumstance stinks. And my emotion was attached to the circumstance. Yet, I had joy in God's presence in my life, and I wasn't worried about it anymore. It didn't go away, folks. It just didn't eat me alive. Like the father seeing that little note from his girl. Your angel, right? I saw the word of God. I had this verse, and I was like, man, what am I worried about? I got the presence of God in my life. Let me read this to you. Psalm 30, 11. You have turned my morning into dancing you have loosed my sackcloth and closed me with gladness now gladness means joy that word is actually joy that sackcloth has been removed i have been clothed with joy see paul and i want to talk about paul for a sec paul is a wonderful example of how we can experience joy in all things no matter the circumstances paul was in prison several times paul was beaten Paul was stoned. They thought he was stoned to death, but he was stoned. Paul suffered persecution. Paul was weary, guys. That was a lot of traveling. He was weary. He was tired. Yet he says, rejoice always. Nehemiah 8 tells us that the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Paul proves this in his life. He proves it. Philippians 4, 11 through 13. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in every, excuse me, in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
The joy of the Lord is the strength, right? The joy of the Lord is Paul's strength. And guess what? He is our strength. His joy, he is our strength too. Emotions come and go. Folks, if you lose an arm in an accident, you don't have to come up to me and go, Pastor, I'm so happy. You don't have to do that. You can be upset and sad and angry at all the same time. You don't have to lie about your emotions or fake it. But you have to understand that joy is permanent for a believer. And get ready, this is where you're not going to like it. For a believer, if they choose joy. Is joy a choice? Yes. That's right. Joy is a choice we make. I've had many, many brothers and sisters, even some of you here, come up and say, I've lost my joy. My joy's been stolen. Don't rob me of my joy. Folks, none of that can happen. Unless you're not abiding in God, are you saying you're not part of God? That can't happen. You can't lose your joy because the source of your joy is God Himself. So we make the choice to value God's goodness in our lives. Right? We choose to value and rejoice in the person and the purposes, and the promises, and the power, and the presence, and the provisions. I can't believe I remembered all those. We choose to value God's goodness in those things, and we can rejoice in those. That belongs to us. You know what else we can rejoice in? How about just the consciousness of our salvation, or the filling of the Spirit? Or we can rejoice in the anticipation of our life to come in heaven. We can even enjoy, as we serve God, we can rejoice being engaged in the work that He has called us to. We can rejoice in all of that. All of these are conditions which lead to rejoicing, and all of them stem from our joy. And the source of our joy? God Himself. So we know what joy is, and we know as believers we possess this joy. And now we know that we can access this joy whenever and ever, wherever when we make the choice to rejoice in the goodness of God in each of our lives. Church family, you can be sad. I want you to understand, you can be sad in a particular circumstance that has made you sad. If sadness is called for, be sad. Be happy. Be angry. Right? If you're frightened, these emotions are attached to the circumstances that we find ourselves. But know those emotions will change. All of you have been angry at some point, but I'm willing to bet you're happy this morning, right? It's been replaced. We make the choice to rejoice in the goodness of God. So, because joy is not a temporary emotion, right? It's not here now and then later replaced with another. No, joy transcends emotions. Because God is the source of our joy when we are abiding in Him. And that joy, church family, runs deep, and that joy runs constant. And the expression of this joy, well, and that is you and I rejoicing now in the goodness of God. The expression of that joy is when you and I rejoice in the goodness of God. And what can we rejoice in? Everything about God. He is the source. There are times you're going to be like, oh, Pastor Mark said I should rejoice, but I'm angry. I get it. Or I'm sad. I get it. Loss of a loved one, right? Sickness. Just when things aren't right. It is tough to rejoice. But Paul says what? Rejoice in the Lord always. And let me say it, how important it is. Rejoice. He says it twice. And then in 1 Thessalonians, that letter, rejoice always. 
What he's saying is we have an undercurrent of joy in the life of a Christian because we belong to God. He is always accessible because we are attached to the vine. So rejoicing is a choice you make. You can't lose it. It can't be taken from you. It's yours. And I don't know who, or do we have ladies that are going to come up and, and do the, can y'all come on up? Part of this service today is our communion. We are going to participate in the Lord's table together. And again, this is a time for us to not only remember, and I'll go over that in a second, but to rejoice. And what can we rejoice in? The goodness of God in each of our lives. And I know all of you here could sit here the rest of the day and count your blessings. I know you could. Remember that song, Count Your Blessings One by One? I know that we could. And this is a time when we approach the Lord's table, we're going to commune with His body, commune with His blood. As members of a body together, we can rejoice in the goodness of what God has done. If I can have the gentleman come on forward. Brothers and sisters, as we approach the Lord's table, we are drawing near to Him. And we are celebrating the communion of the body and the blood of Christ. So we together are grateful to remember that the Lord instituted this ordinance. This is something that we practice as a body of believers, as a church family. What are we remembering? We're remembering the memory of His dying on the cross, giving His life, the ultimate sacrifice. He died for you. We're remembering that. And that's a pledge of His undying love to us, the work of the cross. What else are we remembering? How about our union, not only with each other as members of a great body, but as members of His body? We belong to God. We are grateful to remember that we are sealed by the Spirit. We are sealed by grace. And because of that, we should be renewing our hearts and our obedience to God today, especially with understanding how much joy we actually have, the access of joy, what we can rejoice in. We remember the blessed assurance of our God, of His presence, of His presence in our lives, of His presence right now gathered here in His name. We gather together and remember that this here is an opportunity for us to love our Savior, to feed on Him spiritually, because He is the bread of life. And of course, we remember that God is coming back for us. Why? Because we belong to Him. We are His. So folks, as we take to this table today, I want you to think about these things in remembrance. And I also want you to rejoice over the things that God is and has done in your life. These are the things we're called to remember and focus on, and what a perfect time. Guys, this is a sacred time at the Lord's table. It's for believers who have rested all their hope uh, on the death and resurrection of Christ. It's for believers. If you are not yet a believer, you should refrain from partaking until you can partake with us, and we encourage you to do that, we joyfully wait for you to do that when you come to faith in Christ. We encourage those of you who are believers, please examine your hearts so that you can partake in a worthy manner. We're called to live in a worthy manner, and this is part of that process. If your heart is harboring unrepentant sin, please refrain 
refrain until you have made things right, until you can come freely to partake. As the bread and cup are served, I just want to ask that everybody hold them so that we can partake together because that's really special about communing with our God, especially as a family of believers, that we partake together. The Bible says this, I receive from the Lord what I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray for the bread before we pass it out. Let's all pray together. Heavenly Father, you sent your Son, Jesus, into this world as a sacrifice, Father, as an offering. There is no other sacrifice or offering that has ever been performed in the history of the world that could ever match what your Son did because His blood covered us. His blood made us right before your eyes. Father, we thank you. We thank you for preparing us through the blood of Jesus for heaven, for an eternity with you. Father, we want to live by your will and we want to live in love and in obedience to you. And we pray today, Lord, that we're doing that right now. We know that your son offered his body and his blood, and he achieved what no one else and nothing else could ever achieve, the complete forgiveness of our sins. Father heaven, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the bread of heaven. And as we partake, Lord, of this table, we pray that you change our hearts. Chisel away what's hard, Lord. Plant seeds where it's soft. We pray for that right now. Just ravish our hearts, Lord. Refresh our souls during this time as we communion with you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Jesus said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, again, Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the new covenant that we are under. Lord, the covenant that sealed us through the blood of Jesus Christ, your Son. Father, as we drink this cup, we remember his sacrifice. We remember his sacrifice for our sins, Lord, asking him even now through the Spirit to please commune with us as we at the body commune with each other. Lord, with grateful hearts, Lord, we drink this cup. We drink it in remembrance of you for what you've done, Lord, the work on the cross. And Lord, like the, your word said today, we have so much to think about when it comes to joy. There are so many things to rejoice in because of you, our source of joy. Lord, we owe you everything. And as Christian believers, you are everything to us. So Father, we pray for this service now that we continue in remembrance Lord, we continue to honor and glorify you in, in, in the, the path that you brought all of us to this point, Lord, today. We thank you for that path. Lord, we thank you for guiding and leading us. We thank you for strengthening our hearts, Father, when we don't have the strength. Lord, we thank you for allowing us to be a part of a church family that loves each other and wants to bond in the union of our Lord and Savior to help us remember all things Christ. And let us rejoice in who you are. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Jesus said, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Folks, we are, we are blessed to be called children of God. We are blessed to be called children of God. We are blessed to be attached and connected to a God who loves us and cares for us beyond our imaginations, beyond what we can comprehend. His love runs that deep and that far. And to know that he is the source of our joy and that we abide in him, that joy is ours. It's an undercurrent. It's ours for the taking. It's always there. We just have to access it. We have to choose to remember who our God is and remember what he's done and what he is doing in our lives. We have to remember that, just like coming to the Lord's table in remembrance of him. We have to be able to rejoice in the person of God. The provisions, the power, the purposes, all of it, we have to rejoice in it because he is our God and we belong to him. So when, I leave, when you leave today, I want you to remember that you have the joy of God. And what is the joy of the Lord? He's our strength. That's who carries us. That's our strength. I want you to remember that. It is yours because you belong to God. I'm going to ask Brother Ken Souther to close us out this morning in prayer. And I thank you all for your attendance today and participation in this service.